This morning I want to do two things. First thing I want to do is I want to celebrate Morning Hour Chapel a little bit this morning. And I want to challenge Morning Hour Chapel a little bit this morning. Now, I don't know if you've ever gone to our website, but we have a little write-up on our website that kind of introduces the origins of Morning Hour Chapel. I'm going to read them to you right now, and I know that's very, very small on the screen. You can't see. I tried to blow it up a little bit, but if you can't see it, I'm going to read it for you. Every Sunday morning, the Stoner family would drive to church, passing children riding their bikes and walking along the road. God began inspiring the family to begin a ministry to the children of the community. Victory Schoolhouse on Germany Road in East Berlin was the perfect setting. Fourteen children attended on September 14, 1930 for the first class. Within the year, the class grew and expanded into two. An adult class was offered shortly after that. The community added a preaching ministry in the 50s, became an official congregation of the BIC in 1960, and built the chapel sanctuary that we're sitting in in 1963. As the church grew, the need for more classrooms inspired the fellowship hall in the classroom addition in 1974. 91 years this September 14th. That's how long ministry has happened at this place, at 491 Germany Road, East Berlin, 17317. And the ministry started with a single children's class of 14 people. That also means that in nine years from now, we'll be celebrating our 100th anniversary of doing ministry in this place and our 70th anniversary as people uh, worshiping under the Brethren in Christ denomination. I'm pretty excited about that. That is, that is unusual. Uh, a lot of times for a church to be around that long. Um, but we didn't stop in 1974, right? We, we, had, the, we had the chapel built, the, the sanctuary here. We, uh, in 74, we built classrooms, we built the fellowship hall. But in 2005, we decided we needed more space to do our ministry. In 2005, the church borrowed $250,000, got a mortgage, to do a major building renovation, and it includes basically everything from these, from this imaginary line, right where the you know where the steps go up to the to the everything that way. So the bathrooms were added, the foyer was added, the office uh, where Dana is now running our uh, our live stream was added. These two. Uh, rooms, the library and the meeting room were added. The, uh, what, what do we call the cover out there? Carport. Yeah, the carport. <laughs> the carport was added. Oh, and by the way, we blacktopped the drive, the uh, parking lot, because before then it was just a gravel parking lot. We did all of these things with that, uh, with that mortgage. And I want to tell you this morning, from 2005 to today, we're almost done paying that mortgage off. From an original loan of $250,000, our balance now sits at about $23,500. And thanks to the generosity of our late friend, Jerry Held, by this time next month, that balance will be below $20,000. We have a lot to celebrate. 
this morning. The website goes on. Today, our youth ministry still meets in the original schoolhouse. As you know, our youth ministry has not been meeting in the original schoolhouse for a little over two years now, uh, since just before I came here. And one of the first things that I found important was to talk about the youth ministry here at the church and working with the board um, to try to restore that youth group. Because we have several youth in our congregation now, and uh, we have hundreds of youth-aged students in the Bermudian Springs School District next door at uh, uh, some of other school districts. A lot of people that we can love, a lot of people that we can see uh, come to Christ. And this morning, I am incredibly, incredibly pleased to announce that we have successfully completed the search for a director of youth ministries here at Morning Hour Chapel. I'd like you to welcome our new director of youth ministries, Becky Spielman. Good morning, everyone. Some of you know me, some of you may not. Um, I am Becky Spielman. I've been a lifelong Adams County resident, drove past this place as a kid heading to Bermudian Springs. Um, so this area is home, and for me, I've traveled lots of different places with different careers and different things happening in my life, but I think God had a journey for me to come back here and to lead youth. And that's been part of my life. For those of you who don't know, I've been an educator for 25 years. And through that journey and all of the students that I've worked with from K-12 through higher ed, I've seen more and more students who do not feel they have a place, particularly, particularly our Christian students. Um, kids who want to lead but aren't confident, they feel that they're a minority, that they're being questioned often why they believe, and they have friends who want to know why they believe. And I hope that my role as the Director of Youth Ministry is to help them build that confidence in themselves through scripture that they can speak and communicate clearly why they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and how they can do that in a disciplined but fun way so that they become the future generations of this church and of the entire um, followers of Christ. So my goal is to have you help make that possible here and grow what we need to have as a youth ministry program. So if you're a parent or if you're not, you all have talents as, and gifts, as Renee said and Pastor Joe, and we all know that we have these gifts. You're being called to use them. Listen to the Lord. I pray often. I talk to my husband and he says, just keep on praying. You all have talents and gifts and we need you. Um, as the director, it's not about me, it's about our youth, and it's about all of you helping to create that community and culture for them, 
because they need to be mentored and they need role models and they need role models like all of you who are in this church and those of you in the community that you know who would be great role models. So going forth, starting this, I am asking for you to think about volunteering and helping. If you know parents who have kids that aren't part of their church, reach out to them, let them know you have a new director of youth ministry and we really wanna grow what we have already started here, and we have some tremendous youth already involved who will help lead, help guide me um, to see what they see as their needs. My perspective is a little older, but I try to keep the kid in me and remember what it was like um, being a youth, um, a teenager, some of them heading off to college in just a short time. Um, so. Please, as soon as we get some communication pieces together, you can certainly reach me because I'll be here every Sunday, um, but we'll come up with some other ways that you can also contact me um, from a distance as well. Does anyone have any questions for me starting out? All right, I'm very much looking forward to this. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. I also want to thank our search committee. Uh, Sam McCullum, Wendy Dorica, Louis D'Onofrio, John Beeman, and uh, Chloe Plessick. Uh, incredibly grateful that uh, they worked on this search. I'm incredibly grateful that even when it looked like the search wasn't going well, we agreed to rely on the Holy Spirit's timing and the Holy Spirit's leading to bring the right person to Morning Hour Chapel at the right time. I'm excited to watch the youth ministry. I'm excited to see how, how it takes its first steps, how it grows, and how it creates and develops disciples of our young people. The final statement from the website's history of the church reads this. We seek to remain connected to the passion and pioneering spirit of those who first had open eyes to see the need open hearts to be inspired, and willing hands to serve. That beautiful statement was kind of rolled up some time ago into Morning Hour's mission statement, striving to be the light of Christ in our community. My question, or one of my many questions for you this morning is this, what does that mean? What does it mean to be striving to be the light of Christ in our community? Well, last week I preached a sermon called, What Does God Want? And we talked about what he requires, what he expects of us as believers. This morning, though, I want to take that question a little bit farther. I want to ask, what does God want from the church? Now, before we can start answering that question, we need to understand what the church is. And of course, most of us understand, but some of us still don't, that the church is not the building, right? We talk about going to church. And when we talk about going to church, we mean going to a building to do something. But it might be more accurate to say that we're going to a building to meet with the church. Don't worry, I'm not going to expect anybody to start saying it that way. 
When you're inviting people to, to come to morning hour chapel, you don't, you don't need to say, hey, I'm going to a building to meet with the church. Do you want to come with me? Um, not going to do that. But it is true. It's the truth. On Sunday morning, we all drive from our homes. I don't think anybody walks, right? It's a little bit. Uh, Renee and Bob could probably walk. They're not too far from here. But we all drive from our homes to 491 Germany Road, East Berlin, Pennsylvania, one's, uh, one, whatever the head. <laughs> Tired of saying it already. And we walk through the doors of a building. That's going to church? If that's going to church, as soon as we walk in, we have finished what we set out to do for the day. We can just turn around, walk out, go back to sleep. We're not going to a building. We are driving to a building to meet with and worship with God's people, with people who love God, who want to worship God. And we're meeting with people who are curious about God. Maybe they don't know him yet. Maybe they are seeking answers to questions in life. But we're coming to this building and all of the people in it are the church. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? To which Simon answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And when Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He wasn't talking about building a building. When Jesus said, I will build my church, what he was saying is your statement, Peter, that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, is what will make my church my church. When people who believe this statement gather together, when people who want to explore this statement gather together, your testimony, your words, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, will strengthen them. It will build them up. It will give them a firm foundation on which to stand, no matter what happens in the rest of their lives. And it will also help them to live responsibly and effectively the lives that I want them to live as individuals and as a group, as a group of believers. That is what the church is. The church is a community of believers who believe that Christ is the Son of God. And they desire to live responsibly. They desire to live effectively. They want to live the way that Christ tells them to live in the Gospels. And starting next week, we're going to explore what that means. Because we're going to go into a really deep dive of the Sermon on the Mount. And in particular, the opening statements of Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. We might know them if we've been around church for a while as the Beatitudes. Starting in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start taking a look at that next week. But this week, when, we, when Jesus talks about the church, he is talking about believers all over the world. He's talking about the church universal. He's talking about every single person who believes this statement of Peter's. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And his overarching instruction to the church universal is found in Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now when Jesus' first disciples went and made the church universal, went from a group of about 120 people huddled together in a small upper room near the temple to millions of people all over the world. And we see in the book of Acts, the first day they added 5,000 people. The second day they added 3,000 people. They grew explosively. And there were no newspapers. There was no radio, there was no television, there was no social media to help them to get the word out. They had to go from town to town and community to community to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they did that, people believed. And when all of the people in that community who believed got together, that was the church. They met in houses, they met wherever they could meet in order to worship God and to figure out what's next. How are we going to do what those disciples did when they come in? How are we going to share Jesus Christ with other people? Now eventually, people started building buildings that they called churches and cathedrals, right? And when Jesus talks about the church, he's talking about the church universal, every believer in the world. But he's also talking about families of believers. He's talking about groups of believers. He's talking about us, morning hour chapel. And the crucial question that we need to explore is this, how do we, how does this congregation live responsively and effectively, living according to the will of God and making disciples for Jesus Christ? That is the crucial question. It is the only reason we're here. We need to learn how to live according to God's will, and we need to share Christ with other people. Over the summer, I started working on cleaning up the pastor's study. And Wendy's going to come around here in just a second and uh, pass these things out to you. Mostly I was rearranging things, uh, getting it into some sort of shape that was useful, because there there's a lot of stuff back there. I had no idea what it was. They had lots of folded up and rolled up and, all, and in nooks and crannies. I just so kind of started pulling things out. And uh, you can go ahead and pass those out. And as I was decluttering, I came across this. I'm going to put this up here. You probably can't read that on the screen, but Wendy's going to pass these out to you guys. And I'm sorry if, uh, if you guys it, it, at home can't see this. Uh, you should be able to see it on the slide. If you want a copy of this, we will mail it to you. But I found this. It's called the uh, 31 Days of Celebration. And it was created for uh, January of 2019. 
And the reason was to celebrate all of Morning Hour Chapel's ministries from 2018, all of the different things that they were doing. Now, I don't know, did, did this ever get passed out? Has anybody ever seen, I mean, some of you guys have been here for a long time. Has anybody seen this before? Was it a youth group thing? Or was it just passed to certain people? You had it, okay. The Plessics had it. They were the ones keeping the secrets here. But, but I found that, and there was like a whole stack of them. That's why I was able to pass them out to you guys. Um, so I don't uh, I guess maybe one family got to look at them. I don't know. Um, but it was interesting. It's a whole month filled with the ways that Morning Hour Chapel practiced going and making and ministering to people both inside and outside the church. And I looked through this calendar, and you can look through this calendar. I was struck by all of the things that Morning Hour Chapel was doing in 2018. Love offerings, a women's care group, worshiping with other churches. They had a baptism. They were adding new technology. Uh, they were having membership classes. They had in-church testimonies. People actually stood up and talked about what God was doing in their lives. How many of you are very comfortable doing that? How many of you would rather die than get up and speak in front of people at all? <laughs> right. They had child dedications, they had VBS, they had fundraising, they participated in the National Night Out, which was just this past month. Uh, I think it was the youth that went on a missions trip to Puerto Rico. They had movie nights at the park. They worked with Ruth's Harvest with the East Berlin Food Pantry, which I think now is New Hope Ministries. Or is, that, is the food pantry still there too? Food pantry still there too. They had a book study group. They did youth ministry. They partnered with the Bermudian Springs schools to do the, a lot of stuff going on in 2018. In 2019, there was a time of transition. A lot of the going and the making kind of slowed down a bit. I came to the church in September. So next month is my two-year uh, anniversary of being here. In 2019, and then in 2020, <laughs> man, it was like, put the brakes on. We're not doing anything. We're not going anywhere. And we're definitely not making much. Right? We couldn't go out. People didn't want to meet. People didn't want to gather. We were all wearing masks and social distancing because of COVID-19. Church, our building even, was shut down for about 10 weeks before we decided to reopen. We figured out how to socially distance, and we figured out how to record messages. We figured out how to live stream messages. And I thought about it, and I was like, you know, at first it's like, yeah, we had to put on the brakes. Yeah, we had to stop. We had to not do the things that we had been doing. But then I thought about all of the different ways that all of you adapted to that situation so that you could still continue going and making. And you might have been doing it over Zoom or you might have been doing it over Facebook, but you were still acting the way that Christ wanted you to act, doing the things Christ wanted you to do. The deacons, oh man. I will, I will sing for the deacons anytime. The deacons, 
tirelessly making phone call after phone call, checking in on families, checking to make sure that people's physical and emotional and spiritual needs were met on a regular basis. I love the deacons. I do. Of course, now it's 2021. Our in-person attendance is almost back to normal. We're actually missing a few people today because of vacations and things. We have a new youth director in 2021. We have a thriving children's ministry. We did VBS over the summer. So many people volunteered for that. We actually saw uh, a new family or two come to the church because the people that were doing children's ministry showed them how powerful and loving Jesus Christ is. We have an incredibly active outreach through uh, Chapel Lights. And we're still working with Ruth's Harvest and New Hope Ministries, and we're continuing to reach out to the schools. We're adding new members to the church. A lot of really good things are happening here. And the one thing that the board and I, whether we talk about it every single time we meet or not, in the forefront of our mind is how is whatever we are talking about doing going to further the mission of the kingdom of God? How is what we're doing going to help us to go and to make disciples? Anytime you've been asked to do something in, the, in, in any ministry, it seems like people just say yes, and I know it's probably partly out of guilt. <laughs> it's partly out of, yeah, I haven't done anything in the last three months, I better do something. But you do it. You run VBS. When we asked you to support a youth director, you said yes. And you started giving so we could support a youth director. I'm beyond grateful for everything that this church is today. And I want you to know that. Because this morning, I have something else I want to ask you. And it's a big ask. I don't want you to answer me today. Don't come up to me after church and give me all your ideas and tell me you're great and, and all of these things. I want you to pray about this question. Are we ready as a congregation to go further to shine the light of Christ brighter than we've ever done before? Are we ready as a congregation to go further to shine the light of Christ brighter than we've ever done before. Last week I shared Isaiah 58, 6-7 with you. Is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? 
I shared James 127, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And I shared the words of Jesus Christ from Matthew chapter 25. Come you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. There's one thing I want you to understand about this statement from Jesus Christ. Every human being is Jesus' brother and sister. Every one of them. And our website says we seek to remain connected to the passion and pioneering spirit of those who first had open eyes to see the need, open hearts to be inspired, and willing hands to serve. Are we ready to open our eyes to really see the hungry and the naked, not just to be told about them? Not just to be given a letter every month that says, please give $20 so that we can feed the poor. Are we ready to see them? Are we ready to visit the sick? Are we ready to visit and show mercy to the prisoner? Are we ready to welcome the stranger? And I mean really welcome the stranger. Many of us have heard the news recently about what's happening in Afghanistan. Dean prayed this morning about what's going on in Afghanistan. Did you know that at the beginning of 2021, there were 3.5 million Afghan uh, refugees around the world, most of them women and children, many of the women widows, 3.5 million. And did you know that just since the end of July, since August 1st, that number has increased by 500,000? 4 million people have walked out of a country that is known for little except for war and domestic violence against women and children. And they're trying to escape so that they don't get hurt anymore. They're trying to escape so that they don't watch family members killed anymore. And because so many people are leaving Afghanistan in such large numbers, some things happen. Children get separated from their parents, their families. When children are separated from their families, whatever country that they end up in, 
Usually we'll put them either in a, a cheap hotel that's been set aside or some sort of a refugee camp or detainment camp. And in some cases, these child refugees from Afghanistan are being held for weeks or even months without shoes, without spare clothing, without money, without access to health care. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're sick. We might even say they're in prison of a sorts. And they're naked. Did you know that on August 14th, 2,200 people so far that they've discovered in Haiti were killed by a 7.2 magnitude earthquake? 2,200 people killed, 130,000 homes destroyed or damaged to the, almost the point of not being able to repair. 130,000 families displaced, with no place to go, often with no place to work, because the business has got destroyed too. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They have nothing. And they have no place to go. In the United States, the number of homeless students, just students in U.S. schools, hovers around 1.7 million. 1.7 million children from the ages of 5 to 18 are homeless. Homeless means they don't have a regular place to go and lay their heads at night. They don't have a regular place to go and do their homework. Some of them are counting on the generosity of their friends, the generosity of their families to let them stay for a couple of days or for a week until they can figure something out. And then they have to go somewhere else. And then they have to go somewhere else. And then they have to go somewhere else. And some of them are living in cars. Some of them are living in shelters. And some of them are living on the streets. 1.7 million in the United States. 31,000 plus in Pennsylvania. 1.8% of every student in Pennsylvania schools is homeless. In the Gettysburg School District, over 120 students are homeless at any given time. In the district where I teach, and I just found out about this on Friday, we have over 20 students that are considered homeless. I didn't even know. And I teach some of them. Couldn't find specific information about Bermudian schools, but I know that there is a homeless student liaison and we usually don't add positions to government jobs unless there is a need for it, hopefully. I'm standing in front of students 
and some of them don't know where they're going to sleep tomorrow. Some of them don't know if their parents are going to be able to afford to feed them tomorrow. They are hungry, and they are thirsty, and they are naked, and they are sick, and they are living in a prison of poverty. And I want you to get out of your heads this idea that they're there because of their choices, because those students are not there because of their choices. Let me ask the question again. Is the congregation of Morning Hour Chapel ready to go further than it has ever gone before to shine the light of Christ in our community? Knowing many of you as I do, I believe the answer is yes. I believe we are ready to go further than we have ever gone before to shine the light of Christ in our community. And I'm going to admit to you right up front, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know all of the needs of our community. Some of you do. Some of you don't. I don't know exactly what we're supposed to be doing, how we're supposed to be doing it, and I don't know what resources we would need to shine that light as brightly as we can in our community. But here's what I do know. I know that God knows. I know that God will put us where we ought to be, doing what we ought to be doing, and giving us the resources we need to accomplish His will. That's what I know. And I know that if we are obedient, if we are faithful to, the fo to following the Holy Spirit's guidance, God will provide everything and everyone that we need to feed those hungry, to clothe those naked, to care for those sick and those prisoners. Morning Hour Chapel was born because of the passion and pioneering spirit of those who first had open eyes to see the need, open hearts to be inspired, and willing hands to serve. They relied on the Holy Spirit to show them, to inspire them, and to strengthen them to accomplish God's will. I pray that we all, as individuals, and that we as a congregation can be that open, that we can be that reliant on the Holy Spirit, that we can be that obedient to God the Father. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father, many of us have never known want, desperation, hunger, nakedness. Father, open our eyes to see
let us really see these brothers and sisters of yours. Help us to see their need. Help us to rely on the Holy Spirit to know what to do. And Father, help us to be faithful with the resources that you give us. To care for the widow and the orphan. To unloose the bonds of evil. To seek justice. To love mercy as we walk humbly with you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our brother. Amen. Scripture tells us that God is exceedingly able to do abundantly more than we could ask or think. This week, I want to call on you in your prayer, ask God what he wants you to do. Ask God how far he wants you to go. God bless you this week. Thank you.